Hello, 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 or should that be ho, ho, ho? Welcome to Five Star Potential, a weekly football manager podcast from the team at WeStream FM. So this week, I am joined by the effervescent Kurt Dog. Effervescent. Wow, yes. I've never been called effervescent before. Uh, how are you, man? Not to be confused by the uh, the tablets that you put into water after you've been to the Christmas too, but oh, I love a Barocca though. Oh, <laughs> I love a Barocca. I was going more for Alka Seltzer, but Barocca's uh, fine, I guess. Uh, other uh, vitamin tablets, etc., are available from uh, good chemists and bad. Never mind. Anyway, on to the next person. We have Dave Azapardi. Hello, sir. Hello and Merry Christmas to all. Marvellous. Of course, this is, this is Christmas Day, folks. Um, sorry to break the fourth wall, but it's recorded before Christmas Day because we're not sad. We do have families that we wish to see on, on that one day that comes around once a year. Um, but yes, welcome. Hello, Dave. Uh, Mr. Toby, how are you, sir? I am grand. I'm grand. Thank you very much. Got no Got no... Christmas cheer or any jaunts to, to throw in there, you know. I'm just good. I'm just good. Excellent. We've bro- broken the fourth wall there. It's like it's like when you found out that Jules Jules Holland Hootenanny isn't recorded on Christmas Eve. Yeah. That broke my uh not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. That broke my heart when I found that out. Well, I, I think that that's perfect. <laughs> just got that clock walking around like mate, next isn't even live, yeah. I know. Devastated. Recorded I- in January, the year after, <laughs> I, I I don't even know of this show. Um, I I don't you feel don't damaged what, by by those events. You don't know what Jules' annual hootenanny is? No, it's like the mainstay of of New Year's TV. Watch BBC I've, Two New Year's Eve, Toby. You won't mate, you won't you won't regret it. I I don't watch TV. I don't have time for that. Toby's going to be year. streaming at 11 o'clock on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance on New Year's Eve, actually. There's a chance. Not confirmed, but there's a chance. Well, inconspicuous with his absence is, is Mr. Dupe. Uh, he has unfortunately been, been called away with work. So he sends his apologies and his Christmas wishes uh, to all of you. Um, and as per last week, we're going to jump right into our team meeting, which this week... Because we're looking for Christmas-related stuff, and it's kind of difficult uh, and tenuous when it comes to football, uh, we're going for fixture congestion and how we each deal with sort of preventing injuries or, or anything like that that comes with or any of the other problems that come with fixture pile-ups. And they tend to happen in English football around this time of year. So who wants to get us rocking and rolling, Mr. Dave Azapardi? Yeah, um... As you say, England or sort of the British leagues, one of the sort of very few European teams that sort of still play over Christmas as well. Um, But I think it's more prominent sort of in the football league, so uh, sort of championship down to sort of league two, even the conference. Premier League, it's still there, but I don't think it's as sort of sort of congested as the football league teams but I'm, I'm seeing it a lot at the moment in my uh, wall save we're just sort of going over new year and we're having some games where you know I've just sort of played on the Saturday and then new year's day is two days after so I've literally got one day's break so what do you do do you do you rest the players or do you go to training or or whatnot so it's quite a difficult sort of scenario to be in because obviously every single game you want to play your strongest team but at the same time you've got to keep the players fit otherwise your strongest players are going to get injured and so on 
So at times you do have to obviously compromise and so on. And uh, at times it, you can drop points because of it as well. It's a great time of the year to use youth. I mean, obviously that's very much plays into the way I play the game anyway, but it's the perfect time. So long as, I mean, I know it's tricky if you're title chasing or contending and every point's a prisoner and all that, but I've always been a big fan of give them time and give them time somewhere. And there's no more time where it's in greater need than Christmas. I mean, particularly in England, I'm quite fortunate this year in Argentina. Okay, season three now, we don't have a break. But prior to that, there's like a six or seven week break in Argentina. No congestion whatsoever, you know. So I didn't think I was going to be putting much into this this week. But fast forward to season three, we've got a 24 league team. And we do have a break now. It's in January for a week and a half. So we've been quite busy. But I've always been an advocate of youth and, and having a, a relatively large squad in a sense of having a couple of players for each position. Now, I know injuries and everything can impact that. Uh, but, you know, taking rest days between games in particular, like Dave's just said, when you get one or two day break, uh, resting before and after I've found is a great, like a really, really good help, a great way of dealing with it. Um, but along alongside that, I mean, I know we've got this medical centre thing this year, and I'll be honest, I don't use it that much, but that's another discussion entirely. But I've always done an element of rotation anyway. So we've never suffered terribly, or I personally have never suffered terribly as we're coming towards Christmas and New Year. Um, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, it's just, well, I know you said about the medical centre as well. So as we say, that's probably always been sort of prominent in the game, especially over the last few years. But obviously now, because we've got the actual page for it, we're able to see sort of whose conditions are higher and lower. But I think the dynamic screen, uh, again, which has probably been in the game, probably comes into it as well. Because if you sort of, obviously you want to rotate and keep play players fresh where you can, but if you're chopping and changing the team all the while, you're never sort of going to be able to see those those green, red or orange lines, whatever they are, to sort of symbolise the links between your team. So again, it's it's difficult because you are trying to get sort of the best of both worlds almost. Yeah, I've, that's an interesting point. Actually, I've I've found that. Um, so like, I I rotate quite a lot anyway. Um, I've I've kind of got to a point now. Um, on my save currently, where I've got almost two elevens. But one downside of that is the fact that I'm not maybe not seeing as many green lines and links between players on the pitch as as perhaps others are. Um, but in terms of how we deal with fixture congestion, I mean, I I I like I say, I rotate a lot. Um, if we have multiple games in one week, I'll probably give uh, the guys an extra day off, maybe lower training intensity for players, uh, whether that's for the team or whether that's individually. Um, it kind of depends on the player and how susceptible to injury that guy is. Um, but yeah, it's just it's, it's a case of just using your common sense, isn't it? Okay, we've got three games this week. All right, they probably don't need to train. You know, we could even possibly turn down the match preparation uh, a notch or two. To, to try and compensate and give those players that little bit of extra rest before the next game. I mean, how premeditated is this, uh, or is your approach, though, with that? Like, do you get to sort of November and think, right, OK, those teams that we're playing around Christmas are all, say, they're all in certain positions, so you'll go send a weaker side out to potentially the ones that are not doing so well, or are you going to just try to see what best you can do with what there is or, or maybe even prioritise fixtures over others because obviously you've got you have Christmas where you've got you know you're potentially having fixtures every every two days 
and then you've also got the the potential worry of of the FA Cup third round coming at sort of one of the first weekends in January as well. Yeah, I I, I always try and look ahead. Um, so like I'll often bring up my training screen, look at if there's a smaller gap between games, I'll apply an extra day's rest. You know, it could be three or four weeks in advance, but I know. I know that those, you know, we're going to have a rest day that day. Um, for example, earlier we played um, a game against Middlesbrough, um, a game that I kind of expected to lose. We'd just come off the back of a, of a defeat, um, and I was expecting to lose away against Middlesbrough. So I rotated the side to a, a much weaker side with the intention of bringing in a stronger side for my game uh, a few days later. Uh, and we actually did we did all right in the end because what you find with the AI is that they don't rotate like a human manager would. So quite often uh, you'll play against teams whose fitness levels are much, much lower than yours if you have rotated um, at the start of the game. And instantly I look at that and I think, right, we've got an advantage here. Maybe I can, maybe I can be a bit more aggressive in how I play. Maybe I can um, press the opposition a bit more because they are starting with such a lower fitness. By the time the last half hour kicks in, um, we're going to be uh, we're going to be raring to go. Yeah, as you say, I mean this this sort of conversation is probably more based at the English leagues. Um, I managed in Germany last year, and obviously you get quite a genu uh, a generous winter break there, even time to have friendlies and and so on if you wanted to. Um, but as Chris said earlier on, I think a lot of it is sort of down to common sense normally probably sort of the winter periods of Christmas time is when it gets the busiest in England because as you say you get the FA Cup coming up as well just after so it's it's one about common sense two I think your priorities as well so which matches you see winnable and so on and even if you sort of have two games in quick succession so for example I think on the one side I've had two games in about three three days so one or two days break and I thought you know what I'm going to go a similar team for both games, but I see I've got a week off next week. So I can sort of wear them out over the two games and then they've got a week to rest up for the next before the next match anyway. So sometimes, as I say, using your common sense is probably the best way to get around that. Yeah, I've got a couple of points. I mean, um, <clears throat> first one's obviously in this game, of course, we are managers and you have to manage that squad as best you see fit. And that may be um, that you've got two games coming up within the same four-day span. You've only got a couple of days break. You've got to pick that weaker team. You've got to field those youngsters, give them a chance, but also be prepared to take the beating. You know, take the loss if if the worst should happen um, or, or take the loss in points if you can maybe go for a draw. Obviously, based on... It might be that your youth are centred around the formation as well, so you might have these great youth, but they don't really play the same style that the, the first team plays. Um, but you have great wingers, so you're going to go wide or narrow or whatever it may be, and that it, that might dictate also where you would use them. Um, but another thing that was interesting there when was uh, I think it was Curtie just mentioning a moment ago about the AI's um, incessant need to play worn out players. Uh, can I sort of ask? Well, ask you guys, and I know this is very dependent on how much the player would be. Uh, important to your team and by that what I mean uh, Ala, uh, Lionel Messi at Barcelona or, or, or Paul Pogba at Manchester United or something like that but generally speaking I just suppose you could give two answers one in a fixture congested sense and one just in general but where do you guys sit from a fitness level when it comes to starting a player so where do you say actually no he's, he's not quite there uh, I just thought it'd be interesting. I know we'll all have our own reasons and whatnots, but you know, but just wondering what the level is and why. 
Um, mine's quite arbitrary, really. I've got no real reason for it other than it's just a, like a number that I don't feel comfortable with. But generally, in a fixture congested period, anything over 90% is generally I generally find acceptable. Anything below that, I will try and... I will try and rest. Um, like I say, I build my squad intentionally with have the idea of having two 11s. So usually, more often than not, I've got a player that can come in um, and do the job. Uh, in a, just a normal week-to-week basis, kind of, I look at 92, 93, something, something around that. Um, if they're anywhere low 90s, then generally I'll bin them off for the week. It's really weird because I was actually going to sort of ask the same sort of question. So... Um, I think similar to Chris, uh, sort of. It's always weird because I look at, so I see a lot of the the match condition being at ninety two percent a lot, ninety two or ninety four, and almost almost normally comes in sort of evens. But um, I see ninety two a lot, and I sort of think that's maybe a bit too low. I don't know why because they pro- they easily get by on that sort of condition. But it's just one of those things I look at, and sort of in a normal week to week game, as Chris says, sort of ninety five plus is what I normally look at. But either way, I think as long as they're not below 92 or 90%, I'll always take a punt on them. Again, depending on what the rest of the fixture list looks like. I think it also depends for me on the level you play at. Uh, because particularly when I was playing lower down the, the leagues with Western Supermare, for example, this year, you have players that are generally going to be lower in terms of conditioning than someone who's obviously got better training facilities available. Which uh, I think generally, I think my general rule of thumb is depending if they've had an injury and they're up to like 80%, I'll start them rather than bring them on as a sub uh, to try and get them sort of back into the first team and getting more fitness. Um, But then obviously, if they're naturally, you know, if they're fit anyway, I think I follow the same rule as Curti with the whole 90% and above is generally the accepted, I'm willing to take a punt on them. Yeah, I think one of the the things is just in general, or well, it's probably for the majority of everything in the game, is just to be prepared. So I think when you start off the game, I did a lot on my sort of wolf save. I knew that it's a long season. You have, what, like 48 games, is it? Or 46 games, something like that. Um, so you're going to need fitness. So pre-season, sort of training fitness, you got to get your squad prepared. As Chris says, he has sort of two 11s that he's happy with. I always try and do that as well. At least have two players that are sort of good enough for the level in uh, one particular position, even if it's not quite someone who's good enough for the level, maybe a young player who's got potential to surpass that level. That way, if he plays, I'm sort of happy he's getting game time as well. So a lot of it is common sense, preparation, and sort of just being aware of everything that's going on, always having a second look at the fixture list and, and looking at players' conditions and match sharpness and, and so on like that as well. I'll ask the uh, the question back to Tobes that he aren't asked us. Um, what, what's your general approach with the, or your accepted value of willing to, to play someone? Very, very similar to, to Curti in a congested sort of time. I'm looking for plus 90. Um, and in a sort of, uh, you know, week by week, you've not had a game for four or five days. If anybody is any shy of ninety-five percent, then then they wouldn't be playing. Um, 
for me. Unless, of course, you're backed in a corner. There's this, I know that we're talking a general consensus here. There is times where you have to play that player because you maybe don't have someone in his position or you can't adjust the formation to fit someone else in. But if I have another option, I'll play someone who's got uh, 95% or more. Now, the interesting thing is, or something I picked up from yourself, Matt, was your your use of a player who's on 80% if he's just back from an injury. Now, I find that interesting because if I've had a player come back for an injury, I'll make him available to the reserves for 60 minutes until fit, but I'll keep an eye on that and I'll up it and I'll make him available till ninety you know, till uh, for 90 minutes until fit. Um, I don't let them back in the first team until they're like, Back to you know, back to being fully fit condition, which as I say, I just found that really interesting. I, I, do you know sometimes how this game? We talk about this game all the time, but how it, everybody plays it very differently. And I don't know why, but in, in your mind, you always have it in your mind that everybody must do that. And it was just funny to hear that you you run them at eighty percent. You know, if they've got eighty odd percent, you you would put them out there to get them some game time, get them back on the tr- back on the horse, as it were. Yeah, the reason behind this is because of David Dunn's lack of fitness, particularly at his time, sort of his second time around at Blackburn. And so when managing them, I had to manage his fitness particularly well. He was always injured, but he was also quite key to the team still, and particularly how I was playing. So I used to play with an attacking midfielder. So I used to have to manage his fitness better than anyone's. And so because he was so frequently injured, it would be a case of, I don't want to drop you out of the first team. And because you're so key, I would be willing to to risk you at 80% but not bring you on as a sub because of that one time that one time I decided actually I don't think he's quite ready but I'll bring I'll put him on the bench and bring him on uh, I brought him on out of necessity uh, because someone else got injured and then he got injured like 10 minutes after that and so I'd never wanted to be burnt by that same thing again uh, the second reason now is probably more prevalent in this year's game because of the whole dynamics thing and that's so that I can keep the uh, relationships rolling and keep them fresh um, rather than potentially have to if say for example if someone's been out of the team for six weeks or longer I don't know I don't know if I've actually had someone who's, who's been key that has been uh, out for that long so I've not been able to see if it does impact their relations with the players they tend to play with and if there is a like a certain period of weeks where that starts becoming uh, having a detrimental impact on that relationship but I always thought that if they are, you know, they're used to playing in that position, they'll they'll be uh, not playing so well because they've, they, you know, they're out of it. They're, and the other players in the team have been having to play with someone else instead. And well, that was pretty. It was it was kind of a bit of role playing with myself, but I, I think it now probably has become actually quite important. Regarding like injured players, I mean, I've used players that have just come back from injury before. In a, not not necessarily, I try not to put them in the starting eleven, but I've used them on the bench before. I don't think I've, well, I've risked before, you know, like when they're back in light training, when they've got sort of the orange symbol next to the name. I've put them on the bench before. I don't think I've ever sort of brought them onto the pitch if I need extra numbers and so on. Um, but I'm, I'm, I know, I'm probably know your answer for this, Tobes, but has anyone sort of, say a player has come back from fitness or has had like three or four fixtures in a, a week or so and they're sort of, Mid eighties. Have you ever sort of brought them on, sort of sixtieth minute, um, or so, to actually obviously come on for someone else? Now you're probably thinking I was going to say no, Dave, because yeah. I'm a stickler like that, and that's <laughs> not what I would do. However, FM seventeen, Burnley, Champions League final. If anyone recalls, 
my young Turkish wonder kid Nevzat had been injured and he came back a week before the final um, and he couldn't start but I did I did bring him on but that was like um, and it's much like Matt was saying a moment ago with the narrative the way his 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 uh, his view of of using an unfit player has changed but built on his experience in in a game that I dare say might have been two three four five iterations of the game ago yet he sticks to it and the spin on the narrative there for me is Nevzat had done so much to take Burnley to the Champions League final that I did say if he can kick a ball, if he can stand up, he will play in that final as a as a as a thank you to him. So, as much as you thought I was going to say no, Dave, uh, yes, I have done it. But it, I must admit, it's like it will only ever be for like a sentimental reason. I wouldn't do it because I feel that player can change the game, and for what it's worth. Um, Nevzat didn't change that game but uh, he got his appearance Yeah I'm, I'm the same I think um, I have used or, or, well, I've certainly put orange injured players on the bench I've never intentionally started one although weirdly earlier today uh, my keeper was orange injured and I didn't notice before the game started um, <laughs> but yeah I, I've never intentionally started an orange injured player and I don't think I'd be com- I, you know I wouldn't be comfortable doing it I've, I've definitely used them off the bench uh, with the intention of bringing them off uh, or bringing them on to the pitch if if necessary um but uh, I just wanted to go back to what Matt said earlier about lower leagues uh, and and I remember when I started my older shot save I, I I sort of had about three or four key players who I wanted to pretty much play every game otherwise we were screwed um and I think really that's the only time I would play players uh, that are lower than that threshold that I was talking about earlier. See, the uh, you've raised an interesting point about starting a player who's orange injured. I started Ben Foster in the Champions League final against Real Madrid when I was at Spurs. He had the best game he could possibly have ever had for me then so maybe that's just an anomaly that is Ben Foster to be honest that he played better with a head injury than he did without (laughs) who knows Um, there was one other point that I wanted to to raise Um, it was born of what Dave was saying about uh, the European leagues obviously having their break how would you manage that break so it is kind of like a reverse question of how how we've been focusing on uh, fixture congestion what do you do when you have a lack of fixtures in that middle period? Oh, and I think it's, as we've touched on it a couple of times now, the whole uh, prevalence of dynamics and being important. How do you keep that run rolling? Or alternatively, if you've been having an absolute shocking run of form leading into the break, how do you get out of that using fixtures, uh, using uh, friendlies and stuff like that to help you sort of uh, or build your confidence back up again? I think it's the same same way as we would look to handle pre-seasons, really, especially from a confidence level. Very, very small reputation teams, not out to earn any money out of doing friendlies, but, you know, go to them teams where you can knock 10 past them and, you know, your lads will come off the pitch feeling good. Um, it's it's quite funny because my, my, my uh, uh, you know, my secondment in Argentina this year has actually given me something I've never had before, and that is this, although it's now gone, but for those first two seasons, having that, for me, it was a chasm. It was a massive break uh, in in that winter period. And for some of it, the players were on holiday. Um, but then to come back and play these these friendlies uh, before we effectively kicked off the second half of the season, I'll be honest, felt very weird. 
it, it, for me, I, I normally do my time in, in the Premier League or, or in a couple of leagues around Europe, but I'll be honest, it was very strange. It felt very surreal. It was. It certainly brought other elements to the table in a sense of obviously this year we do have dynamics and stuff. And I don't think, they, I, I didn't have to worry about them that much. There was no damaging of dynamics by the, the fact that they'd been on holiday and come back. Uh, but playing friendlies, which of course, when we do it in pre-season, we tend to, well, I personally tend to put them quite close together. So you get quite an intense amount of game time across a across a, a period of just a few weeks. Um it was it was strange because I actually came out of my my winter break in season one knackered. The players were all goosed because I was trying to manage my my time right via getting a decent number of friendlies in against weak opponents to try and get everybody's legs moving again. Before I knew it, I was going into the first game of the season and I had a number of key players missing. You know, so it's fair to say I mismanaged. I corrected it the next year, and as I say, I don't have to deal with it now. Uh, but yeah, that's my very recent experience. Yeah, as I say, from earlier when I managed in Germany, it was really, really weird. I was speaking about it actually earlier today um, in, in sort of even in the, the second division of Germany. And then when I moved into the top division, probably more predominantly in the second division, um, the sort of middle of the season just completely changed what happened. Um I had, uh, well, it happens a lot when the tactic changes and so on. Um, you can't sort of stick with one tactic throughout the whole season. But we, I think the first season, we went on a, a ridiculously good run. We were sort of up there for promotion. Winter break it, and then we, we can't even string together, like, a couple of runs of wins. It's really, really, really weird. Like, it's it's almost as if it sort of knocks the whole consistency out of the team. And then the following season, it was sort of the opposite, where we started off really poorly, and then the pre-season, sort of middle of the season hits, and then we go on a, a ridiculously good run again. So um, it's just one of them. I, I, it's just it, it's good in some senses. Uh, I didn't see it as much in the Bundesliga, um, but it it does sometimes. I don't know if it's just a complete coincidence, but it sort of knocks the whole run uh, around for my team. I I tend to agree. I think having been now been on both sides of the fence, very recently, as I say, going from season two to season three, um, I know that there's a, there's always been a lot of talk about, and you get it in FM, you get the press asking, oh, what do you reckon about winter break? How you don't get one, you know, if you're managing in the Premier League, we're better off without it. You do. There's a rhythm that that goes, you know, and you could say yes, your players get to get that rest that they need but then you bring them back you drill them through some friendlies as fast as you can and um, everybody's you know just as jaded as he was before they uh, before they dipped off on holiday it's a funny one Marvellous I, I, I think that without getting into personal opinions about how uh, you know I think the Christmas fixture period or the, the number of fixtures over Christmas is, is synonymous with England and for a spectator of football, I think it's awesome. Like everyone or most people are at least off, and so the the Boxing Day fixture and then the the New the New Year's Day fixtures they're they're big things in in British culture. I think more more just than just a football fan's uh, you know life. I think it just seems to be the thing that happens. And that's 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 sort of a great thing, isn't it? Like it is for the fans that period. Like you say, like people are off work. 
Um, so chuck in, chuck in three or four matches over a two-week period. Let let people go and see their teams whilst they're not at work. And it, it's properly for the fans rather than uh, rather than the players themselves, which is great considering how much it costs to go to a football match these days. But that's probably another another argument for another day. <laughs> They would be up raw, wouldn't they? I reckon if they brought a winter break into the into England, they would be up raw. I've seen it before, though. They, I think it might have been similar time last year. I saw, saw it on TV. They were asking people, and like they were going, you know, when they were always in the city centres and stuff. And all the women saying they like it because the men can like watch the football and they can just sort their their own thing, like with the shopping and stuff. So I think even <laughs> without even without the men, I think the women would some be angry in at that. it as well. Yeah. Yeah. No shopping, I said, not washing. <laughs> Turn into a different. That's for the five at the back podcast. That Chris. I was, well, I was going to say about the five at the back. I, I was, <laughs> this is more the the F in this uh, <laughs> FM podcast has become misogynist. Yeah. So <laughs> excellent. Um, one final question then, really, before we we uh, move on to other things, is: Do you force the players to train on Christmas Day? Are you a hard taskmaster? I've not even, to be honest, I've not even looked at it. I don't. I think it's probably, I mean, a lot of the time you have the Boxing Day match, don't you? So more than likely I'm doing the match preparation for that. So I don't think I've really looked at it like that before, if I'm being honest. I would yeah. say yes, and I would be managing over FaceTime as I eat my Christmas dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Tobes has thought this through. <laughs> I can't I can't better that comment, to be honest with you. <laughs> Marvellous. Well, aptly timed. Uh, there may be no cheerleaders in skimpy skirts or local oddballs trying to hit the crossbar with an oversized inflatable, but we do have Curtis Quiz. Now then, obviously it's Christmas, and what you know, when else would be a better time to do a Christmas theme quiz? I hear you ask. Uh, Dave has been uh, has been moaning at me all week that he's, he's he wants it to be competitive this week because he wants to be uh he wants to be in with a chance so i've done my best for you dave there's a few old questions in there but they're old for everyone so Jesus. no worries there's one thing i was slightly disappointed about uh, the fact that when you said it's christmas you didn't go for the old noddy holder-esque shout yeah, but it would it would make your edit a nightmare if you've got to deal with the uh <laughs> oh the yeah me going the into the red would be Compressor will be going wild right now. Um, anyway, just, just imagine. Yeah, just imagine I say it. Right. Okay. Quick, <laughs> quick, uh, quick rundown of the rules as per. Uh, just first one to shout in gets the first opportunity to answer the question. Uh, if you get that question wrong, you are eliminated from that. The rest of that question and subject to the minus one Viking Dan rule. Um, we do have a tiebreaker if it goes that far. Matt has won the last two weeks, I believe. So pressure is on Toby and obviously Dave, who uh, looks like he's crumbling, crumbling under it already. Already? Yeah. Wow. Right. We will start, as always, with question number one. Which striker with a Christmassy name played for Bayern Munich, Blackburn Rovers? Roque Santa Cruz. Yes, that was nerd, I think, just. If you didn't get that, Matt, I tell you, it'd have been all wrong. That was that was tight though. That was. Tight. I was waiting. I was not getting. I was not falling foul of my jumping of the gun last week. I've learnt my lesson. Damn it! He was. Uh, me and Dave have just done a little draft, a Christmas draft, and that uh, yeah, was one of Dave's strikers. I'm surprised he didn't jump in quicker. Unlucky Dave. Damn it. Uh, question number two: Which soccer Saturday present Dave? Dave? Chris Kamara. 
is correct. Yes. Which Soccer Saturday presenter is known for his unbelievable Jeff catchphrase was born on Christmas Day in 1957. That is amazing. Well done. Uh, Question number three. 60th birthday this year. Just thought I'd add, sorry. Is that all these? 60th birthday this year. Happy birthday, Chris. Hope you're listening. (laughs) He's looking good, that lad. Yeah. Uh, Right, question number three. This is one of the oldies Dave I was talking about. Uh, The Christmas truce which is thought to have included a football match between British and German forces in no man's land on Christmas Day, took place during which war? Nerd. Nerd. World War One. Correct. Oh, 1914 was, was the year, if you want to be pedantic. Very good. You don't get any extra points for being a smart-ass. <laughs> oh, I did a history degree. I've got a life. <laughs> Question number four. During Euro 96, England, quite famously, adopted a Christmas tree formation. Who was the England manager during Nerd. Nerd. Terry Venables. Terry Venables is correct. Hell tell. Uh, Question number five. Which manager's Christmas was probably ruined the other day when he was sacked by Swansea? Teach. Paul Clement. That is correct. That was tight again. I think it was just nerd. Uh, Question number six. Speaking of Swansea, they've actually sacked three of their last four permanent managers in December. Clement is one. Can you name one of the other two former Swansea managers? Nerd. That is nerd. Bob Bradley. Is correct. The other one you could have had was Gary Monk. Question number seven. What country do FC Santa Claus... Dave. Dave? Lapland. Lapland. I'll accept Lapland. Lapland, Finland. It's correct. What country? What part of country? Well, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Cheers, Dad. Uh... Question number eight. Which Serbian defender signed for Manchester United on Christmas Day? Dave. Dave. Nemanja Vidic. Is correct. Come on. Question number nine. Which former Bolton, Newcastle and West Ham midfielder managed to get himself suspended? That was Teach. Nolan. Kevin Nolan. Is correct. Suspended for five consecutive Boxing Day fixtures. (laughs) <laughs> from 2009 mm. to 2013 what a shell. he hates the drink he loves Christmas <laughs> <laughs> his missus definitely has words before <laughs> better get that bloody today. day off Kevin there's a stat today of like 20 Premier League midfielders who are one booking away of missing all the Christmas fixtures yeah, yeah. <laughs> question number 10 At Christmas 1997 Man United were 13 points ahead of the eventual champions. Which team overturned the deficit and went on to win the title that season? Teach. 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 Blackburn? Is incorrect. Dave. Dave. Leeds. Is incorrect. Nerd? Do I have to say it again? Yeah. Arsenal. Arsenal is correct. I do. Right. I had Arsenal in mind, 
and I'm looking at Matt and I can see his face and I'm like, <laughs> it's going to be Blackburn because he's a Blackburn fan. I'm like, it's going to be Blackburn. I'm thinking, no, it must have been sooner. And I was like, yeah, I had to go. I had to he, go. He was right so, in your head there, teacher. Oh, yeah. Right. Very much psyched out. My, my 90s football knowledge is like probably peak. Okay. So, yeah. We'll do noughties next time. Uh, <laughs> so, thus ends the quiz. In third place on zero points is Teach. Merry Christmas. Son. Love, love the clap. Merry Christmas. I do love the clap. Uh, in second place, <laughs> silver medal this week, with two points, Dave Azapardi. Respectable. Uh, way out in front, however, with six points, uh, and that's a hat trick of wins, Mr. One. Sorry, Mr. Crude Nerd. Oh, congratulations! There you go. Christmas quiz is over. Marvelous. New Year's well, one next week. Oh dear. What's well? In fact, next week I'm not here, so oh, that's a good point. I'll, I'll leave someone a, give someone else a chance to win. <laughs> by default <laughs> I've won enough I've won enough of my quizzes I'm, I'm a happy man sat here no that was marvellous work thank you Christoph once again for a fantastic quiz so from a, a Christmas a Christmas a Christmas themed quiz uh, we move on to a, a semi Christmas themed wonder kid uh, this is slightly more tenuous than Chris's quiz to be fair uh, we're going for <laughs> Angel Gabriel Barbosa this week. <laughs> I mean, we, we've tried. <laughs> we've really tried. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I think people don't appreciate how hard it is to actually find not just a footballer who has a Christmassy name, but one who was actually being deemed a wonder kid within Football Manager. I think, I think we've done all right, sort of. Okay, it was bad, but look, we, did, we had to go with something, okay? <laughs> thing is, you end up getting Roque Santa Cruz as the answer for absolutely everything. <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel Barbosa Almeida, born 30th of August 1996, is a Brazilian professional footballer who plays as a forward for Portuguese club Benfica and the Brazil national team, for whom he has four caps and two goals since making his international debut in 2016. He started his career with Santos in Brazil, making his league debut at just 16 years old. Over the next three years, he scored many important goals for Santos, including the team's 12,000th ever goal in 2014. Commonly known as Gabby Goal, it was actually his prolific goal scoring with the club's youth sides that saw him earn that moniker. In August 2016, Gabriel signed for Inter on a five-year deal reportedly worth 29.5 million euros. But after limited league starts, he joined Benfica on loan almost a year to the day of signing for Inter Milan. However, he's yet to make a real impact in Portugal. Considered to be a talented prospect, Gabriel is known for his technical skills, creativity and use of tricks on the ball. Due to his flair and flamboyant playing style, he has been dubbed the next Neymar by the media. Football manager 2014 first saw Gabigol Gracious with his virtual presence and could be snapped up for just under £3 million. With excellent attributes for a tricky forward despite being at such a tender age. Fast forward to 2018 and despite not playing regularly since the move to Milan, he still has an aura about him. At just 21 years of age, surely there's plenty of time left for him to reach that predicted potential. So gentlemen, has Gabriel Barbosa done enough to secure a place in the five-star potential Wonder Kid Hall of Fame? The choice, as usual, 
is yours. So, uh, just to remind you all, the, the, the criteria that we judge these Wonder Kids on is his football manager Wonder Kidness. So, how long he was a football manager Wonder Kid for, and obviously how how much of a Wonder Kid he actually was. Uh, then we have his real life attainment, how well they did in real life, whether they're still playing or not, doesn't really matter. Uh, and we'll judge sort of on whether they've obtained international caps for their country uh, and obviously how well they've done for the clubs that they've played for. And then finally, and some may say most importantly, how they've performed for us in our saves if we've used them. So, who wants to kick us off with their reasons and then their ultimate vote as to whether they come in or stay out of the five-star potential Wonder Kid Hall of Fame? Mr. Tobes. I shall go. I shall go. Um, I think it was 15. I'm right in thinking. I'm sure it's 15 when uh, when uh, Barbosa sort of uh, originally uh, sort of come into the limelight. Uh, and I, I bought into the hype because, you know, we let's 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 not forget, you know, we've had our we've had our Neymars and our Gansos and, and whatnot over the years. And it was always, you know, you hear about this latest Brazilian wonder kid and you're like, I've got to get a slice of that. And um over the course of the of the of the following two games, I used Gabigol quite extensively because bearing in mind as well, he was quite cheap in the modern era. You know, you could get him if I remember rightly. Would I would I be right along the lines of around about six or seven million pounds yeah, if you were, million, if you played yeah. your cards right? Um, and um, always managed to get. Well, no, actually, not always. First year round, in my opinion, he was marvelous, like like astoundingly good, uh, and got good quite early in his career as well. Um, second year round, a little bit slower burner. It took it took a little bit longer. Um, however, I've not used him in seventeen or eighteen. Now I know that he's obviously made moves in in real world football since then. Uh, but if we're going to sit uh, from from my experience, we'll try and you know go relatively quick. Um, football manager Wonderkid, yes, because and it's a double yes. We talk about this all the time, but he's not just a football manager Wonderkid, but he's consistently been a Wonderkid across the course of a couple of three games. Um, so that's a yes. Um, my experience with him has it been good. I don't have any sort of like outstanding memory of anything that he did marvelous for me. But I always know if a wonder kid's been good when I've gone back and bought again on a different career, and in particular in this case, within another game, I've been back and bought him. Uh, so that's a yes from me. Has he made it in real world football? The lad's still very young. You know, with, this is one of the youngest wonder kids that we've done. You know, and this this uh, this time on his side at the moment, he's heading in the right direction. So I couldn't say no. Uh, so it is a in from me. A marvelous positive, uh, marvelous positive start. I should have said, ironically so. Uh, Mister Mister Kurt Dog, thoughts, opinions. Um, I'm going to do a deep here and echo a lot of what teachers said. Um, <laughs> FM fifteen. I, I had him in my Liverpool side. Uh, this is the side that we went unbeaten in the Premier League. I had a regen up front called Andrew Beattie, and um, Gabby Gold would play from the left-hand side as an inside forward, and those two linking up was fire, absolute fire. He's one of he's one of my favourite players that I managed on recent iterations of the game. Uh, similar to Teach, I've not managed him in 17 or 18, um, partly because, obviously... When he was at Santos, you could pick him up quite cheap. Now he's moved to Inter. Um, I've, you know, it's it's a slightly different story. I think I think now he's on. Is at Benfica on loan? Is he? Um, 
but I've yeah, I've got great memories of Gabby Goal, and I think he's still in his early twenties. So there's every chance that at some point um, we'll cross paths again. So was he a football manager, Wonder Kid? Yes, definitely. Uh, as Toby said, he was a wonder kid for more than one version of the game, so that is without a shadow of a doubt. Have I had a good relationship with him? Has he played well under me? Absolutely. Like I say, he's one of my favourite players in recent games. Uh, and has what has he achieved in real life? Well, being that he's in his early 20s, he's already made the move to Europe. Maybe it's got not gone quite as well as he would have hoped, um, but I'm pretty sure he's played for the Brazilian national side already. Um, so at 21, that's that's nothing to uh, that's nothing to be uh, to be underplayed, really. So for me, he's a, he's probably a yes in all three categories. I can't I can't not put him in. I mean, this has been way more positive than we normally get. Someone normally tries to play devil's advocate, and we've had two yeses from the the old guard. So what does the young man think? Um, are you speaking about yourself again, Matt? Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, young uh, man <laughs> I've um, as these well, uh, Chris and Toby have said he was available for a, a decent fee when he was in Brazil and now he's obviously moved uh, into Europe with Inter and obviously on loan at Benfica um, he hasn't had the sort of best of starts so far I don't think in Europe um, like appearance and stuff wise but he was, I've not, and I've not used him extensively, if I'm honest. But he, of what I did use of him, he looked very, very good, and didn't look out of play, out of place, even at like a top Premier League club. So, and there's no doubt that he, you know, for the past three or four years, he has been a, a decent wonder kid. As Chris has said, he's only 21. He's still got a long, long time ahead, and he's already picking up. I think he's got like four Brazil caps. So, um, I'm gonna say yes to him. Obviously, being a wonder kid in the game. Uh, I can't say no to him not being uh, that sort of level of play in real life. And I can't really say no to him not being a good player for me because what I saw of him, he was very good. So I'm going to also say yes. Wow. Three yeses, which means he is in by default. Um, so before we give him a round of applause, I'm just going to sort of pretty much agree with everything everyone said. Although I haven't really used him in one of my saves. Uh, FM16, I was at Blackburn and... At the point of the save, I, there was no way I was going to sign him. And then by the point I could sign him, I couldn't afford him anyway because he was well on his way to uh, making uh, his sort of route onto the golden boot, I think. He won it a couple of years in a row, which is excellent. Or is it golden boot or golden shoe? I can't remember what they call it in the European European Cup, but uh, I can't remember. If, I think he, he moved to United and that was pretty much it then. Um, so there's no way I was going to prime away from there. Uh, FM17, similar sort of affair. I was at clubs that couldn't really afford him. I, I, arguably, I could have gone from at Spurs, but then um, I was not signing non-British players, so that was the that was the the issue with that one. And then I've not had an opportunity to do so this year either. So, but I did have use him in a couple of drafts, and yeah, he was as good as people had made him out to be. So yeah, he in terms of football manager attainment, he was fantastic. Uh, from from what I could see from afar, I was very much an admirer of of his talents on the game, and I thought if the AI can get something like that out of him, surely I would have been able to get something equally as good out of that his little virtual sprite. In uh, in real life, yes, again, he's uh, he's getting caps at a young age for Brazil. You don't really need to say much more than that. With the the, the quality of player that they have available to them, you need to be good if you're. Even if they're just sort of Copper America appearances and what have you, that you still need to be good enough to to 
to be selected. And then it's what manager Wonderkid is. He's been a Wonderkid for a number of iterations. Probably he could potentially be a Wonderkid for the most number of uh, iterations of the game of any player, I think, potentially, if he continues his upward rise. I don't know when. I, that's one thing I haven't. Don't think we've actually stipulated is how you know how long can they be a wonder kid for, in terms of age when they stop. You know, do we go say all the all the way up to twenty four because that's when the game no longer classes them as a youngster, or or do we, or do we dial that back and be a bit more stringent? But anyway, he's in. That's it. round of applause for Angel or Angel Gabriel Barbosa. Marvellous stuff. Right, we do have time for some questions. And we did ask a couple of weeks ago, because I'm an idiot and got my weeks messed up, but we've we've retained them. We've kept them on ice, um, which is slightly more apt for a New Year's episode, but never mind. Um, the first one comes from FM Samo, who, who's a friend of the show, I, I think we can say, uh, he, which is analyse the pros and cons of the Christmas tree formation plus in the in the Ute way of saying things. Now, before I, I offer it out to the, the group, it's quite interesting that he says about using the Christmas tree formation and he's a Scot and uh, Kurt Dog's already touched on it with one of his questions from the quiz. Uh, Scotland were famously beaten by England at Euro 96 <laughs> using said formation. Hmm. Obviously still rustled. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, when we talk about the Christmas tree formation, are we talking about a 4 3 2 1? Yeah, narrow. Yeah, I would say I'd so. I'd say that, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like a narrow. I mean, yeah. I must admit, it's not a formation I've ever played. Um, um, but, I mean, straight off the bat, you can see the weakness obviously would be potentially down the flanks. Uh, and, and and you know being overloaded down the flanks is something that you'd need to uh, you'd need to be aware of. Um, but there's you know I play a, at the moment I play effectively not the same, but I play very similar to how Teach played I think last year um, with the four three one two. So you're kind of packing packing bodies in the middle of the park, and that's where your strength is, and you try and keep the ball to be played throughout the middle of the park. I've actually used it this year, uh, the Christmas tree. Uh, our very good friend, Mr. Friday Night FM, um, recreated um, the the R9 Ronaldo Brazil tactic, um, which uh, subsequently then uh, Cleon went and wrote a very very brilliant article about. So I've got to say, anyone who's who's interested in in that, do go and have a read. Uh, the only slight variation being is it was uh, using DMs, so three DMs, which I've actually without going to I'll speak, speak about that later but using three DMs with a couple of Segundo Volantes left and right um, and I would say a varying success but obviously if you're packing in DMs into that so you know obviously that uh, sort of defence to midfield transition yes there is that gap but of course you've got your two attacking midfielders to come and tr- try and do a little bit of the work um, but from a uh, defensive integrity side of things, which is what uh, Chris was alluding to a second ago, with, of course, you losing your wingers because they, they're the guys that need to provide that width. You had very, very adequate adequate cover. Um, so although I agree that, yes, it is light in in, in, the, in the wide departments, um, you can certainly cover it defensively if, if, if you play it right, the Christmas tree. You certainly can. Uh, from an attacking sense... Um, 
God, you've got to have really talented attacking midfielders to pull it off. I mean, really highly talented attacking midfielders uh, because from my experience, they will be your driving force. It is, you know, you might have your... You might have your 50 goal a season striker sat at the top, but you will be nothing without very, very good support. Yeah, I think, uh, as you say, the front three have got to be pretty decent for it to work because it's going to be quite isolated up there, especially with a lone striker and, and not much width either because obviously, it, unless the fullbacks are pushing forward, you're not going to get much width uh, from that at all. So um, I think... If we talk it in FM terms, it I don't know if you, how successful it's been for for Utos or other people, but um, I think playing a narrower, possibly even well, I don't know more direct game is what I've seen work with a narrow uh, sort of instruction set. Um, but I think you got your four at the back, which a lot of formations with four at the back with capable defenders does the job. So it's just up to the rest of the team then to sort of uh, link up and obviously work the ball back up to the forward. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about the attacking midfielders because on the face of it, you look you, you look at two attacking midfielders and you think, okay, well, if they're playing a DM, then we, we overload that DM. You know, we can work our way around it. Whereas I found playing one attacking midfielder against a DM this year, a lot of the time, and it might be down to personnel, but a lot of the time he's struggling to find space in and around that DM. But with two attacking midfielders, you're thinking, okay, great. Well, that's that problem sorted. But actually, then you've got to think, how the how do we get the ball to the attacking midfielders? Especially if you're playing with so good, you know, with three DMs, you're asking quite a lot of them to get forward enough to support your your AMs and and feed them the ball. And then once they have the ball, it's like, well, you go and do something with it now. So t- it's a tough. I imagine it. I mean, I haven't tried it, like I say, but I imagine it's a really tough formation to uh, to get to click. Well, the great thing with the with the with the volantes, and I'm, I'm using them now in a slightly different setup, a slightly different system, but almost mirroring them three DMs is dependent on how you want to use it. So, if you want to obviously be a bit more defensive, you drop the your, your central DM would be a half back so that you can allow your wing backs to get forward. Um, but those um, those volantes they advance up the pitch really high. I mean. Borderline reckless at times, but not if if you've got them trying to plug that gap that sits in midfield. So what I'm getting at here is, I wouldn't play Volantes behind two central midfielders because it would become a little bit convoluted in the middle, and no one would have any space to run. They'd all be getting under each other's feet. But when there is nobody on that midfield line, those Volantes will fill that space. Uh, but better yet, when defending, uh, obviously you have to have a decent work rate to get that Volante back in the field if you've uh, lost possession up the other end of the field. But uh, when defending, you have that extra solidarity that a standard Christmas tree wouldn't wouldn't give you. Is it, is the way I find. And you're bearing mind the standard Christmas tree. If you did rely on your wing backs for anything, your full backs for anything, you are so yeah. You know, you're just up the creek. You know, if if those guys get caught out of position, you are shafted. When you when you were playing that with with the with the gap in midfield, were you? Did you find you were sort of tempted to push your defensive line higher or even play fluid? Uh, it could play relatively, not necessarily fluid, it was still played structured. But that gap in midfield is due to the way the Volantes plays, honestly, is not the gap that you would think it would be. You know, you don't have three guys hanging up at the top of the pitch and whatnot. The, the, the gap, those guys close that gap very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. I think it's all about the Christmas pudding formation, to be honest. So, 
yeah. <laughs> Smothered in butter brandy? Um, maybe. Um, I, I don't think the players would appreciate that necessarily. Um, but maybe a treat after a after a victory on a Boxing Day. They'll get smothered in that after the bath. Who knows? Uh, we're getting a bit personal now anyway. Uh, <laughs> I got a bit fruity very quick. It did get a bit fruity. A bit fruity. Hmm. Uh, our final question for this week is from uh, at Football George, who's coming with another great question, which is name your Christmas 11. Now, I'm going to have to lean on Mr. Dave Azapardi and Kurt Dog for this one because they have, uh, as they've already mentioned, done a draft which should actually be out um, this this very day that you're listening to this podcast, assuming you'll listen to it on Christmas Day. It will be out later that day. So it should be around maybe the time of the Queen's speech and... Uh, what better replacement than Dave Azapardi's dulcet Wolverhampton tones to replace the RP of the Queen? Anyway, um, I'll let you guys sort of start off and then me and Teach might be able to help out if we're struggling, but hopefully you guys should bring this home. All right, so Chris, I reckon we should do it sort of a position each, position by position, right. sort of basing it on like a four-four-two, something like that. A four four two, yeah, yeah, that works. Or oh, just that like works. wingers in general. So okay. uh, I'll let you start with keeper if you like. Well, I, well, for me, you've got two options here. Uh, you can either go for uh, Pepe Reindeer, uh, <laughs> or uh, or uh, Slay Given uh, would be my other. Probably your you, your number two there to Pepe Reindeer. So uh, both good choices. Now right back again, a few choices here. Uh, you've got Danny uh, Elves instead of Danny Alves. A bit more forced, that one. Uh, you got, depending on how you pronounce it, Angel Rangel or Angel Rangel. Um, who did... One of us used someone else at right back, didn't we, though? Who uh, did I use now? No. Oh, um, here we go. Hector Jingle Bellerin. There we go. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think that one should not have been the last choice that one should have been the first choice I couldn't remember brilliant. I knew I didn't have a, 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 I knew I had a different right back I just couldn't think of who it was that was amazing right yeah. at centre back I'll, 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 I'll just cover a couple of centre backs so you've got you've got Juan Jesus you know obvious link there um, but one that, that I quite like is Matteo Mu Santosacchio tenuous <laughs> yeah uh, he he's he's very good. Cut it out. Highly what recommended. About per Mur Tasaka, Frankincense and Mur. That was a that was a, a different choice in there at centre half. There's, there's, there's lots of biblical references here. I wasn't expecting this. Oh, you know, it's a Christian festival. Yeah. Uh, I at left back. Um, he and he gets in. I mean, he has been playing there for Man City. So Fabian de Elf. <laughs> This is, oh, wow. is, is one that is one that I enjoyed. I used uh, Slayton Baines at left back. I <laughs> Slayton yeah. Baines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in central right. midfield, um, uh, see, I like this one. Raz, Raz gave me this one earlier. Um, Stephen horrendous. Stephen Rednosey. Stephen and Zonzi. <laughs> he picked that and claimed that was a Christmas reference. It definitely is. Rudolph. Uh, Rudolph yeah. the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There yeah, but go. how does Red-Nosey sound anything like Nzonzi? To be honest, I'm, I'm surprised none of you went for Darren Randolph. Uh, I did, in, actually. In that was yeah, Dave's reserve Darren keeper Rudolph. during oh, the draft. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. 
<laughs> uh, other central midfielders, you've got Andy King from Leicester, obviously referencing the Kings. Um, there was got to be an, another punny one that we used in there. Well, there's, there's Santa Cazola. Oh, yeah, there was that one, yeah. Of course. Well. I like yeah. that. Yeah, Santa Cazola. Christmas or, puns, we've got them. Or, or Yannick Caresco, you know, because Saint Nick. I mean, that is... <laughs> That, that is, is that's scraping the barrel. Tenure. I mean, that barrel. Yeah, there was well Tom Carroll as well. On Tom the, Christmas Carroll. Oh, Tom, Tom Christmas Carroll. That's, that's another solid one. On the on the right hand side of midfield, uh, I've I've gone for uh, Angel Di Maria. Yeah, solid. I went for our Wonder Kid actually in in my team. I went for Angel uh, Gabriel Barbosa. Very good. Uh, <laughs> possibly on the left hand side. Uh, and uh, do you know what? Now that I'm talking about him, I've totally forgotten what the Christmas. Rest- oh yeah, that was it. It's uh, North Star Neymar. <laughs> all right, all right. Listen to this. What? I said, okay, you'll have to watch the video to see my reaction to this. I said, Ronaldo and Messi. If you can think of any reference, are banned, and punny ones will leave till the end because w- w- that's when we're struggling. He goes, I'm not sure if you'll be happy with this. North Star Neymar. I said, how has that got anything to do with Christmas? <laughs> He basically just wanted a really strong player yeah. in the draft. I love that. I mean, I get, uh, I get the North Star reference, but I don't have understand to watch how that and see how like how Russell that was. Other but, options on that side could be King Slay Coman. That's a bit of both. That's a double barrel one. Yeah, so. quite. Who uh, like did I use on the left? I, I don't even remember now. Let's let's move on to strikers. Uh, up front, uh, Dave's favourite is Mr. Harry Candy Kane. Nice, I like that. Andy Works. Christmas Carol, uh, uh, Gabriel Jesus, which is obviously a, yeah. a double whammy. That's a double whammy. Roque Santa Cruz, oh, obviously, is the Eventually. obvious one. Uh, I went for um, Santa Claus Jan Huntela in the draft. I like that as well. I like <laughs> so, that. Dave wasn't happy about that one either. So yeah. there were plenty of them. There, there was loads. Oh loads yeah, of if, players with the name Christian and all sorts in there. So yeah. Oh, I had one actually, uh, central midfielder, Mark Snowball. That was the one. I like that. I like that. (laughs) That, that, Arguably one of the best. If anyone's doing a a draft and wants Christmas players, then just use this for reference. We've got we've got hundreds, but just don't use North Star Neymar because you might not be happy with that one. (laughs) I'm still loving Jingle Bellerin. That is brilliant. (laughs) Jingle Bellerin is is one is is well up there. Yeah, I mean, you could have had Christian. Ronaldo, but I guess. Well, like, that's that's what someone suggested last year, but we we banned them because someone said Messi, you could call them Messiah as well. So. Mm, but uh, not North Star Neymar. I'm sure that one will be banned next year, Chris. <laughs> when we do the draft again. <laughs> the Dave's level of Russell. Well, happy with that. You just have to. These are plugs, but watch the video and see how Russell they get during the video. This is a great I'm, draft. I'm just going to cast it out there that Neymar may may have done some damage to Dave on that day, on that video. I'm not going to say no more, but that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, Bitterness oh, and resentment brilliant. are apparent. This is supposed to be full of a, a time of joy and love to all men, and Dave is just busy getting rustled by Chris. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> right, before we all go, um, it's time to give a, a brief a Twitch update or just a general content update as to, to how we're all doing. So we'll start off as we begun with Christoph. Oh, um, so we um, are coming to the end of the first se- the first season uh, with Nottingham Forest, and we've given ourselves a squeak at the playoffs. We've uh, gone on a little run, 
of wins. And I think at, at the the time of recording this, we're three points off the playoffs with about uh, four or five games to go. So if I'm being honest, it would probably still be too early for us. I, I'd, I'd feel much more comfortable of another year of building in the championship. Um, but it might be nice to get a bit of playoff experience in there, even, even, if, uh, even if it doesn't bear any fruit. Curtie, tell us about your wonder kid. Come on, tell us. Because I've seen this live on stream. and Ah, young Dave has a party, the central midfielder. No, not that one. No, not that one. That young lad, what's his name? Um, North, North Star. North Star something, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> North Star, James Smith, you know that lad. No. <laughs> no, but honestly, this is like, this. Is, I think, arguably one of the, if not the best wonder kid I've seen on this year's game. Um, the best wonder kid I've seen on this year's game. The best wonder kid I've seen on lots of games to be honest with you I think I spoke about Andrew Beatty who I had in FM15 um, who was excellent uh, and last year we had uh, young Baza, young Turkish winger who was very very good but genuinely I don't think will be a patch on this kid young James Smith he's been labelled the new Paul Gascoigne which instantly got me aroused um, obviously lots of gags about keeping him away from the bar and stuff like that uh, in the chat but He's, he's someone I'm really, really excited about. He's central midfielder, instantly very creative. Honestly, like I, you would not believe this guy's attributes for his age. It's ridiculous. And if it hadn't happened live on stream, I'd be questioning the integrity of the person who was doing the save because I've never seen anything like it. Um, I did post it on my Twitter, KurtyFM, uh, twitter.com slash KurtyFM, uh, and also in the WeStreamFM Discord Um and yeah, if you want to c- come, come, come to one of my streams, and we can we can talk about this guy together because I'm I don't get tired of talking about this guy, James Smith. Watch that name. Marvelous, Teach. Give us a brief update of, uh, of the goings on in Argentina, if you will. Well, if you remember, I think last week we were talking how I um, had a particularly bad run. Now, it's so funny because it's last week was a little bit longer than a week ago for us because we just did a little bit of rescheduling and whatnot. Uh, but I had a bad run of games coming up. Um, I'm pleased to announce we are heading into mid-January and we are third in the league, um, in, in the Super League. And now, to some people, I'm like, oh, well, third in the league, well done. You know, pat yourself on the back, whatnot. We've been scraped. We've been, we've been mixing it in. 18 for 19 for the first two seasons um, so this year we've really stepped the game up we are three points adrift of Boca Juniors at the top of the league we've had some incredible results and I know a few of you guys were were there the night that yes somehow and no one can explain this but we were all watching it live we beat River Plate 11-7 across <laughs> 90 minutes um, and that all happened live again, all live on stream. Um, but no, I'm feeling really positive. I'm feeling really good. I I'm not naive. I don't sit here thinking, you know, what we're going to be able to press on and win this title or or even finish third. <clears throat> but the goal this year, <clears throat> excuse me, the goal this year was to actually be into the continental competitions, so the Sudamericana or the Libertadores. And I only need to be in the top eleven to get there and do that. Um, I did have a squeaky bum moment where Gaston Veron, who has just been on fire, is a wonder kid on this year's game and starts life at Argentinos Juniors. Um, I had a club, and 
I cannot remember who it was. I had Anderlecht chasing him, but I had another team in South America. I think it might have been Boca Juniors. And the board <clears throat> accepted the bid on my behalf. And I had to go to the board and say, look, sort your head out. We're now where we are because of players like him and we need to keep them. And the board rescinded it. And that was a uh, that was a euphoric moment on the stream. So yeah, it's all going very positively. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to to cracking on over this festive period. It's, uh, it's going to be a good end of the season. Marvellous stuff. And finally, Dave has a party. Your wolf save. Yes. What's, going, what's been going on? As some people may or may not know, obviously I've sort of... Um, I've taken on this wall save, it all going on YouTube. So Twitch has sort of taken a bit of a back burner at the moment. Um, I sort of took a time out just to try and get back into FM a little bit more. And I thought, what better place to start than the club I support. So I went with Walls and sort of like the aim of the game was to go through it and sort of play how Walls play in real life and try and get it to work in game. And it started off really, really well. Um, I don't want to ruin it too much, but it's doing well. We started off the season so, so strongly. Uh, we didn't lose a league game for about 10, 15 games into the season. Um, now we're going on to a bit of a bad patch. So sort of, I think, on the Christmas Eve episode, um, which obviously the pod will be out by then, but you guys will see sort of how the form has dipped a lot. But I'm going in depth a lot of the uh, into a lot of the game, showing like what tweaks I'm making to tactics, set pieces, dynamics, and all all that sort of stuff. So it's a really good watch if I do say so myself. But um, it's still not too far in, so people still have an opportunity to catch up on it if needs be. Marvelous stuff. I've said that for all of you. I, I, my <laughs> vocabulary is is decided it's going to die a death, unfortunately. So apologies, listeners. Um, for myself. I had uh, an epiphany which was very much brought on by Mr. Teach saying strong words to me that needed to be said uh, that uh, it was time for Blackburn and it was always part of the plan and having had a a week hiatus because of of work-related scheduling conflicts, I'll call them, basically long sleeps because of tiredness, etc. Western Supermare has been has been shelved. We may well revisit that at some point uh, this year, depending on how the Blackburn save goes. But uh, we, we're we very, very new into this save. We're only about, I think, day three, maybe. I've had, I've had I think I've bro- broken Curtis' record for the longest time spent on day one before pressing continue. So that's, <laughs> that's a feather in my cap there that I'm quite happy to have. Uh, and we've just beaten the under-23s, that massive friendly you have at the start of the game uh, on day two uh, by two goals to nil. So it's going okay, but it's going to be a long, long process, I think. Going to see how well I can do in comparison to Tony Mowbray, who's actually doing doing, going great guns at the moment with with Blackburn. And they're currently on a six-game unbeaten run in real life. So if we can get anywhere near close to that, around this sort of time of the season that would be marvelous. So before I oh well before I start the outro um let's run around the room and just to see where everyone can find us all. Uh, Mr Teach, where can people find you? You can find me everywhere at North Star. Do uh, <laughs> one. <laughs> uh no, you can find me at uh, Teach FM uh on on YouTube, Teach underscore underscore FM on Twitter. Teach underscore live on Twitch. And incidentally, if you are listening to this on Christmas Day, um, I'm actually streaming Christmas Day night 
probably around about 6, 7 p.m. for a couple of three hours. So if you just, you know, if you've had your dinner, you're chilling out on the sofa, you know, with a beer in your hand or whatever it is you're doing, uh, feel free to come and join me because, yes, this uh, this sad git will be live. So, yeah. Teacher's going to be wrecked. Yes. <laughs> Full of dinner and loads of bourbon whiskey. Marvellous oh, yeah. stuff. I've used it again. I need to really work on my vocab. Uh, Kurt Dog, where can people find you? Um, on Christmas Day, probably drunk asleep on my couch, but um, Kurt FM everywhere. Um, I will try and drop in on Teacher's st- stream, but like I say, I've got a busy afternoon of being asleep and smashed. <laughs> so uh, I'll do my best for you, sir. I'll do I'll do my best for you. And Dave, where can people find you? I'm on uh, Dave as a party on youtube um and dave as a party fm on twitter and twitch and on christmas day i'm gonna be drinking the schlur the the kids wine as are they call pre- it are you pregnant days. no no i'm That's joking what i'm not actually gonna be drinking schlur it, I'm, I'm not i'm not weird don't worry <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can find me at crude nerd on twitter and on twitch and one crude nerd on the youtubes all of the links for each of us can be found in the description of this very podcast, as can the links for the WeStream FM Discord server, which you should be joining. If you have enjoyed this podcast, then please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, as it really helps us out. If you're a SoundCloudite, then please drop us a follow, as you'll be notified of when we next upload a podcast. And I will not be here next week, but I'm sure whoever fills the host seat will do a more than adequate job. And this has been Five Star Potential, the Christmas special. It's been a WeStream FM production. And we will see you, apart from me, next week. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. See you in a bit. Merry Christmas, folks. Bye.